Welcome to our Multiple Myeloma Podcast. Today, we are lucky to have a distinguished guest, Dr. Frederick Schesswold. He is the head of the Oslo Myeloma Center at Oslo University Hospital and a senior opinion leader in the field. Welcome. Thank you. We'd like to kick this off today by having you tell us a little bit about yourself. More specifically, I'd be curious to hear about what attracted you to medicine in the field of myeloma medicine. Medicine is part of a long uh, line of coincidences, actually. It could perfectly well be something completely different. Uh, hematology is also a coincidence. I had a um, uh, last good exam in hematology and I got, was offered a job there. And I went and did many other things for a couple of years. And then I came back because I didn't know what to do and he was willing to give me a job again. Finishing my internal medicine, I wanted to do a different thing and I looked in the job pages and found a PhD and that was in myeloma. And when I was finished with the PhD in myeloma, I had sort of used that time to, to become more interested in myeloma and also to get to know the Norwegian and the Nordic myeloma environment. And there was sort of a, a niche present in Oslo that wasn't used, and that was in, in clinical myeloma research, where there was a lot of people, but not so many studies. So I asked um, the boss of the hematology department to, to give me a job to, to create a, a myeloma center. Out of curiosity, what kind of studies and research is being conducted today, and what kind do we need to see tomorrow in order to benefit patients as most as possible? I, I don't have a perfect overview over the whole Nordic environment, but what is true is that Denmark are really good in participating in phase one studies, early studies, new drugs, and they have a very good platform for that, uh, especially in Copenhagen. And that is a place where the industry are looking for competent and good centers, but it's a big platform to make. And Denmark has, as far as I know, done that much better than Norway and Sweden. I think, uh, and I think Norway and Sweden has to to learn from Denmark in that aspect and become a more natural partner in early studies, difficult studies. Of course, one of the major things happening in the last year in myeloma are CAR T cell cellular therapy, which is infrastructurally much more difficult kinds of studies to do because you have to take cells from the patients, you have to work with them, and you have to send them somewhere else and get them back, and it's a big process. But the, the results from, from that treatment that came this spring is the best way I've seen in myeloma for some years since the antibodies came some years ago. And um, it's really important that we build the infrastructure to take part in those studies. I think it's important for the Nordic patients and for the Nordic doctors that we don't come in when we've heard about the drug or the technology for, for five years already. We should try to build uh, structures that makes us a wanted partner in the early phases, in the difficult studies, because what we have, we have very good quality. And I think uh, I heard industry people say that if we could, we would do all studies in the Nordics because the data quality is so much, uh, is, is so good. 
but there are things we need the platform, the structure and the competence and we need to to show that we can also recruit a larger number of the patients. So I, I think this is where we really need to be better, especially in Norway and Sweden. Denmark is sort of showing the way. Well, I'm just uh, wondering if Norway is such a big country and if you wanted to, say, enroll more patients into your um, studies, isn't there a geographical obstacle to that? Yes and no. It's big, but most of the people live around Oslo. Mm-hmm. So my center, we recruit regionally. And that is um, for one and a half million patients, that's just 30 minutes in the car. And if you go to two, three hours in a car, you get two and a half million. So we are a really big center, could be, if we recruit from this population. And that's what we have done in the, in the Oslo Myeloma Center. And the, the center has actually been built on that platform that we need to recruit from all these hospitals. And people have been wanting to participate in trials with early drugs for years uh, in this disease and, and others. Uh, and they, they and they come a long way to do that. And for particular trials, people will come also from a longer distance. In most studies, we just have to face that to have a volume center, you need to be a little bit big. And I think uh, there are there are study centers in Norway for outside of Oslo, which recruit patients both to academic and to industry studies. Uh, and But they will never be able to have sort of very many studies. But but they can participate. And, and, and then also special patients that have the resources and the will can also fly to and from to Oslo. It sounds to me that there is a lot of room for the local or Norwegian studies to make contributions, um, say, compared to Europe and other parts of the world. Do you think the Nordic region stands out relative to the rest of Europe in any way? Or has the potential to stand out? I think it does not stand out in academic trials. And I think it stands out in some things. I think what we hear from multinational trials is that the data quality is better. It's a thing you need to do good, and, and that's good. But what we're not good at is academic trials. But we're good at them, but we do not perform as many and with as big recruitment as we should. I think the Nordic group has really big potential. It's uh, 26 million, I think. And I think that's not considering Baltikum, who has joined now. And I think the recruitment in studies is way too low in very many centers. And I think that there are too few studies started. And I think the reasons for this are... Many things, but I think it's possible to to make the Nordic group much bigger and stronger with more studies and more recruiting in those studies. You're looking for greater collaboration between the different countries. No, I think the collaboration is good, but I think the group is starting too few studies. I think it should be more proactive looking for starting studies more often. And I think there's great potential there. But um, it's not probably just a quick fix, but I think that it takes time between every time a new study is started there. Too much time, I think. And for example, now there's no new planned study in uh, newly diagnosed elderly, which is a really large population. And there's no new planned study in relapse, which is an enormous population. We haven't had inclusion in, in these kind of studies for some time, and there's no plan today. And that uh, is not good, And but but uh, but it could be much better. So 
Okay. But do you see any current studies leading to new and interesting advances in the field? If you think about studies originating from the Nordics, it goes a little bit back to the point I just talked about, that I think we're starting too few studies. I think we need to find ways to initiate more studies. There are studies coming up, and what we... I can mention two studies, both originating from Denmark. One of the studies is sort of on one far end of the spectrum, which is a precision medicine study, where they sample patients in relapse and they test the, the plasma cells, select the plasma cells, test them in the lab and see if, uh, if they will respond to a drug with a fast ligand, uh, a small molecular drug. Uh, and then uh, patients who have this, it's supposed to be about 25%, will get into a study with that drug. And that's, that's originating from the Nordics and it's being done as a Nordic study. Those studies are always difficult because there is a gigantic chance that it will not work well enough. But we have to pursue them anyway. We have to go in the direction of trying to to predict who will respond to each treatment because we get more and more treatment and there there are toxicities. So so we need to find ways to pick out who will get certain drugs and who will not get them. So it's very important to do these studies, but they are difficult and they're risky. And that's one. One of the other side of the spectrum, which is completely different, is use studies to maybe uh, that will maybe end up with giving less treatment. So we have one one study that actually we have this bisphosphonates that 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 is a skeletal treatment, yes. uh, um, and we have a study that randomizes between two and four years of treatment. Two years is the standard. But the interesting part of it is that we will, in the population from two to four years where some get and some don't, you will follow the patients with blood samples, bone markers, and repetitive CTs. And the thought is to find out if we can, from blood samples, predict who will get skeletal lesions. And that means that in uh, some near future, you might say that this person, he doesn't need to have this drug before, which gives toxicity, before we see the bone markers increasing, then we can give it. Yes. And those kind of studies that are totally without funding, where the funding comes from, we put it sort of into the routine practice, sort of some local or regional money from the Nordic countries, are also important to do. So that is, are two examples of studies going on now in the Nordic that are examples of interesting things. But the end game is always the benefit to the patient for these types of studies. Um, is it always easy to be idealistic in that respect? I think it's actually difficult to find things that are not benefiting the patients that are things that are benefiting the academic. Uh, okay. I think it's it goes hand in hand. And I have to say that, of course, it's very uh, easy to say that we all we do is for the patients. But, but you can also think that all I want to do is find out what is the best treatment mm. and the less toxic treatment. And you work for the same goal. Uh, you, can, you can have different agendas. But I think it's in a field as such as myeloma where actually the drugs that we have seen coming in the last years are so have a so good uh, sort of uh, efficacy, toxicity ratio. I think it's, it's, um, it's difficult to find examples where those things don't go hand in hand, I think. So... What can these studies do to make a contribution to the way that they treat patients? I think 
the main reason we do studies is to show that the treatment is better. Mm. And by better, and I, I actually mean only two things, and that is uh, that they live longer and that they live better, or at least one of them. So there's there's no other criteria for a better treatment. Everything else is just substitutes. Yeah. And I think what we need to do for the people in the front line, and you mean front line like in the war, not in the newly diagnosed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that uh, first we have to have studies in the country. So if those people want have patients that wants to be in a study or they want to give them to a study or recruit them to a study, they should be able to do that. There should be studies that they can... Because it's frustrating if you sit with a patient that has Googled a lot of uh, studies abroad and he comes to you and says, I want to be in this study, in this study. And you have to say that we don't have oh, any. Oh, they do that? Of course they do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or even more commonly, they find new drugs on the internet and those drugs are still in studies. If you have a new drug in, in relapse, that drug will now be in a first-line study. So, And if you always have to sort of say to the patient, but there are no studies here, we have no new drugs, that's very frustrating. It's, it's a very good thing for them to say that, okay, either there's a study now, or we have a lot of studies, just not exactly now, but next time there will be a study, that there is sort of a positive vibe in that group of uh, diseases. In Norway, there are annual patient meetings. Uh, there's a quite big gathering here in Oslo with uh, 200-250 people every year. And there's also a, a home page, there's a Facebook page. And most patients at some time become aware of these ways of keeping updated on a better level maybe than just Googling indiscriminately. Um, and in these patients they can read that there are a lot of studies in, Oslo, in, in, in Norway. There are a lot of possibilities. There are a lot of new drugs and we're working for this and that. It actually has... Before the myeloma center here, there was very few studies in Norway. Now mm. there are many. And that has actually created a more sort of hopeful um, vibe around this disease in this country, I think. And I think it's, um, uh, even though they're not in the study, they know that a lot of things are happening and we're sort of part of it. Yeah. And they will be a part of it if they want, uh, maybe next line, whatever. And for a frontline doctor at a local hospital to have this kind of things to send the patients to or tell the patients about uh, is making their job easier. But what I hear you saying is actually what you're pursuing is a new model and perhaps new role, greater role for research and studies being conducted in the Nordic regions, that you're looking for a more dynamic model that produces results that are documented and that can be used in practice when they are completed. I think the Nordic group should not, we should not, uh, our main goal is not that we will do the studies that will change the routine therapy. Right. But we should take a larger part in the studies that change the routine therapy, which is together with the rest of the world. We, we're not going to change it, <laughs> but we should be a bigger part than we are today. Okay. So there are only, uh, even if optimally, there are only that many studies the Nordic group can can do. If we do an optimal number of studies, that study, study number will still be just a marginal part of the global study studies that are performed. Yeah. And that's where we take the routine practice from. It's the total. But there's several important reasons why we should be a bigger part. 
One thing is that every single study that we perform is in the Nordic region, and that gives good treatment to our patients uh, that they would not necessarily have without that study. And uh, when we participate more in studies and have more studies, we get more experience with the drugs before they come to the market. We also get more uh, familiar with uh, all the opinion leaders in the world because the more we study, the more we are at meetings, the more we discuss, the more we know, the more we learn. So I think the more studies you have, the more competent you will become. And not only because of the study, but because of everything that follows being doing studies. This benefits the patients in routine practice. But whether it's our studies that benefits the patients or other studies, that's you can't predict that from before. And, and, and I actually think that many Nordic opinion leaders have an extremely different opinion about their own positive studies and other people's positive studies. So it's uh, they implement uh, results from their own studies immediately, but they take years to consider <laughs> implementing other people's studies. And I don't understand that. Some studies are better than others, and some studies can be criticized. But studies you do yourself, they can never be criticized. You, you like them anyway. And I think we're too emotional about who did the study. Of course, it's a lot of work, but I think you just... All studies you do is just a part of the academic life, and mm. it's not your baby. You have to work with it. Somebody other, some other person worked with their stuff, and it's the results that matter. And I think um, we shouldn't be too emotional about those stuff. It's hard to do. I mean, people feel like what they do is their baby. Um, yeah. But... Uh, there's a I can, lot of... I, can, I can understand it with actual yes. babies. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's turn more, let's get a little bit more personal. What are the achievements you are most proud of? No, I think it's, uh, it's quite easy to say, and that's, uh, that's making uh, what is now a quite large study center from scratch, from more or less nothing. Okay, well, you can never have nothing in the Oslo University Hospital. So, of course, a big hospital. Is, uh, last year, it became uh, one of a few comprehensive cancer centers in Europe. Of course, there's lots of resources there. Uh, but still, there was in 2014, there was one included patient in myeloma uh, in, when I started. Uh, in 2017, it will be uh, 80, 90 uh, new patients into clinical studies. We're more often than not the biggest center globally in all studies we participate in. And now myeloma is the cancer in Norway where we have most patients in clinical studies. That's exciting. With the breast cancer as a second uh, runner-up, but, but, but they are like five, six times as big. Yeah. Now we're 20 people in this group. That's fantastic. And it's been done without using money. We're earning money for the hospital. What gets you most excited about working in this field? It's actually very difficult to, to say. I think it's, I really like being sort of someone, person, people ask for advice. And through this, and that goes back to what I said about if you do a lot of studies, if you participate in a lot of things, you're sort of becoming competent almost automatically because you participate in so many discussions with so many high level people. You have to address so many things. Um, so it's, I, I like that, and I, I like to build these things. I like to build a new center. It's very fun, uh, it's, um, and it's, 
And I also have to say I like uh, being, uh, and that's part of how I could do this, is that my boss let me not, he, he cut me out of all routine, routine treatment. Okay. No routine, no on-call duty, no inpatient clinic, nothing like that. Uh, so I, it's a very flexible job and I get to go to a lot of interesting meetings and uh, where people in the routine practice are more restricted. So you get to pursue, you have the time to pursue your passions, it sounds like. I get the time to have uh, mostly a fun job. Oh, that's good. As a, um, as a researcher, what don't you know today that you would like to know tomorrow? Is there one thing that you could speak to about that? I'm not even sure I am a researcher, okay. to be perfectly honest. Um my biggest achievement, if you want, uh, is to build a center. It's it, it's it's leadership and it's uh, it's uh, it's knowledge of the disease, uh, but more that uh, because of this study we should do this and and that's not research. It's just reading articles. I have a research background, so I yes. I, I can read papers, and I think I have a quite good. Uh, I'm quite able to read studies and understand them because often. I see that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but but my job is mainly not research. I'm administrating other people's ideas. So you've built a robust platform to enable other people yeah. to do the kind of research and studies needed to uh, make progress within yeah. so, myeloma. So, so as it is now, every Nordic study coming from ev- every Nordic country yes. that becomes a Nordic NMSG study also will be the largest center in all studies. And we are now by far in all NMSG studies. And that's that's what I want to sort of provide. All p- patients also give cells and, and material to basic research. So the myeloma basic research has increased a lot after we started this. Uh, and we want to make registries and you want to, want to make sort of uh, everything that somebody wants to do with myeloma, I will make them able to do that. But if I really would want to ask a research question that doesn't come indirectly because somebody else has an idea, I think that we should take... I'm not the one that have thought of this first, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But if you take the young standard risk patients, which is a large group, not the high risks, and you give them really best possible treatment up front really the best we can do with the drugs we have. And then you randomize between stopping and not stopping and see how many that we actually cure. Because I think we are there that if we put together all we have now, we can in quite a fraction of patients get a a functional cure. Mm. Maybe there are some cells, but 30 years later pop up. But but anyway, to stop studies, because now... We talked a little bit about trends earlier uh, before we started the interview. And I think one of the biggest trends, as I see it, is that we now have continuous treatment in all lines. We have continuous treatment in first line. When you have a, and then you have a relapse, you have a continuous treatment. Of course, many patients will go off treatment because of toxicity, but the approach is continuous treatment. Yeah. And and, and that is, I think that is the best way to think in regards of, of, of the longest survival. But... If we get so good treatment that some of them doesn't need to have more treatment, especially in first line, then we need studies to actually find that out. 
because all studies, there are no studies now that are stopping treatment. But I think people are starting to have ideas about stopping treatment and, and, and planning such studies. I think that's the sort of next step. It's where CML, the chronic myeloid leukemia, we're sort of 10 years behind them. They started with almost with continuous treatment and controlling a disease uh, that before was very lethal. And then they became so good that they had to start the stop studies. And that's sort of the most interesting new aspect that will come in some years, I think. But in a minority of patients, and it, and it, and it demands a really perfect or a really good treatment up front that we cannot... Um, that will be really expensive. <laughs> but still, if you stop treatment, you can maybe justify a really huge expense. Yes, uh, yes. Upfront. You sound optimistic still, are you? Uh, I'm always optimistic. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today for our podcast. Thanks for having me.